Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned a few moments ago, over the next number of weeks, we'll be looking at different passages from the Gospels, and each passage will feature a different human response to the person and work of Christ. You see, the reactions people have to the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, they are not unique to the time of Christ or his ministry at that time. Each person's response to the Lord Jesus shows us something of the human heart that is still the same today. And so these different reactions to Christ in Scripture speak also to our own lives, to our own hearts, to our own response to the Lord Jesus. We will respond to him in one shape or form. And how we respond to Jesus, to Christ, his person, his work, his words, is probably the most important thing that you will do in your life. How you respond to him. Our first passage in this series is taken from the Gospel of John. The main character besides the Lord Jesus in our text is a man named Nathaniel. His first reaction to hearing about Jesus is pure skepticism. It's almost cynicism as we have it in our passage. Well, this problem is not limited only to Nathaniel. We, the problem is still true today. People react this way nowadays too, and we might struggle with that too. And even if it's not outright skepticism to the Lord Jesus, maybe it might be doubt. Is Christ really who he says he is? Can he really do what he claims to do? Maybe we all struggle with that at times. But by God's grace, this can be overcome. So I preach to you God's word under the following theme this morning. From skepticism to faith, Christ convinces a doubter of his true identity. That's slightly different than your liturgy sheet. Uh, only one word different. From skepticism to faith, Christ convinces a doubter of his true identity. And we have three points. First of all, the skeptics doubts. Secondly, Christ's convincing words, and third, our connection to God. So our text this morning is the last part of John chapter 1, and this is an incredibly full chapter. It begins with a complex introduction to the whole book, and introducing the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Next, it moves to John the Baptist's testimony about the Lord Jesus. John proclaimed to the crowds about Christ, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And after his baptism by John, Jesus began his public ministry in, in Israel. And in John's gospel, this begins with the calling of the first disciples. This included Andrew, probably John as well, and Simon Peter. And then we come to our text. 
There we read, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. The text does not describe Philip's response in great detail. But all indications suggest that Philip, he followed the Lord Jesus without any hesitation at all. Philip, in his enthusiasm, he just had to tell others about Jesus. So after finding Nathanael, he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Well, at first, this might sound like a strange description. Moses and the prophets, they wrote about a lot of people. And yet, Philip is referring to somebody special. All the Jews knew that God promised in the Old Testament Scriptures to send the Messiah. Moses and the prophets describe this in various ways. I'll just give one example. It's found in God's covenant to David, made in 2 Samuel 7. God promised David that one of his sons would come from his line and would sit on his throne forever. And the the people of Israel, they rightly took this to be the Messiah. He would come, sent by God, and he would set things right again. He would save God's people from all their enemies, and he would rule forever. This is who Philip is talking about. And the Jews had waited for so long for the Messiah to come. Perhaps some of them were even getting a little bit jaded after years of suffering. They're waiting for so long. And yet Philip, in faith, he boldly tells Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. We must understand this would be the greatest news for an Israelite to hear. You're telling me, Philip, that you actually found the Messiah. That's amazing. Tell me who he is. Let me meet him myself. But Philip doesn't stop there. Notice what he adds. He says, he's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, the original Greek actually puts the word Nazareth right at the very end of the sentence for dramatic effect. We could translate it like this. We have found the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Joseph, of Nazareth. And upon hearing that, Nathaniel pretty much let out one big guffaw. Nazareth? Nazareth? You're telling me that you found the Messiah and he's from Nazareth? You can almost hear Nathaniel saying, I've heard some whoppers in my lifetime, but that's just too much, Philip. Why did Nathaniel respond in this way? Well, Nazareth was located in northern Israel in the region of Galilee. It was nestled in some 
uh, in some hilly terrain away from the main road and, and highways. This was backwater Israel. And no famous Israelite in Scripture ever came from Nazareth. And now Philip just told Nathanael that the Christ had come, the one who would save Israel, and he was from Nazareth. Well, Nathanael was skeptical of that claim, to say the least. And so Nathanael asks, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's just... It just can't be true. Well, Nathaniel's response, it perhaps characterizes much of Israel's response to the Lord Jesus during his ministry. The Gospel of John already stated in chapter 1, verse 11, before our text, the Son of God came to his own and his own people did not receive him. It's one of, the, one of the themes of the Gospel of, of John, and, and here we see that theme already begin to rear its head. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Surely the Christ must not have come from there. See, many of the Israelites had the same skeptical attitude as Nathaniel first did. They saw Jesus during his ministry, and some did believe in him, but others just felt they could not. This Jesus is the Son of God? This Jesus, the King of Israel? This is the Savior we've been waiting for? Just didn't seem right to them. Christ just seemed too normal to their eyes. Too plain. Too weak. In John chapter 7, the Pharisees reasoned the same way as Nathaniel did in our text. Nicodemus said to a group of the Pharisees, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied to him, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Besides all this, Christ eventually was crucified on the cross. And in the mindset of the Jews, this is the last thing that would ever happen to the Messiah. Dying on a cross meant Jesus was cursed by God. He was hung on a tree. How could the Messiah be cursed? He was supposed to be the most blessed ruler, greater than Solomon. And so when Jesus died on the cross, many Israelites, they completely rejected Jesus in their hearts. In fact, at the cross, their skepticism turned to scoffing. And this is the skepticism many in our, in our world hold on to and refuse to let go. People often scoff at the claims of the Bible. You believe in Genesis 1? You believe that Jesus really is the Son of God and that he did all those miracles and actually rose from the dead? You can tell people, yes, yes, I wholeheartedly believe those truths. But oftentimes people scoff in return. Skeptics, skeptics like to claim that these sorts of truths can't be known. 
You might say, I won't believe it until I see it. Give me some kind of proof. Now, perhaps we might struggle with that sort of thing, too. Maybe you've gone or are going through a period of severe questioning. Maybe you, have just, you just have nagging doubts that seem impossible to shake. Maybe you feel it's all too good to be true. Maybe you even fall into cynicism. God, can God's promises really be true for me? Look at what I'm going through. Skepticism, scoffing, and doubting. Not limited to Nathaniel or his time. Brings us to our next point. Now, Nathaniel could hardly believe Philip's words. And yet, look at how Philip responds to Nathaniel. Calmly says, come and see. Come and see, Nathaniel. Now, this is the steady faith of a believer in the face of a skeptic or a scoffer. Someone might scoff at you for your Christian beliefs, but don't be shaken. Simply respond like Philip, come and see, come and see. Philip took Nathanael to Jesus. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, Nathanael's curiosity was certainly piqued at, at, this, at these words. So he responded, How do you know me? And then Jesus astonishingly said, Before Philip called you and when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, before we get to Nathaniel's astonishment, it's good to say a few things about Christ's words here. Notice how he doesn't try to plead with Nathaniel to believe. He doesn't come up with all sorts of convincing arguments to change his mind about why he is a Christ. No. The Lord Jesus, he just speaks the truth. He speaks it plainly and unwaveringly. Nathaniel was the loud skeptic, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Christ does not tiptoe around him. He's not ashamed to simply speak the truth. Nathaniel thought he might have the upper hand in this situation. He probably went with Philip thinking... He was going to laugh some more. Show me this one you think is a Messiah, Philip. But Christ just speaks the truth to Nathaniel. And he speaks in such a way as to say, you can get on this train or you can stay off it, but this is the truth. And if you refuse to believe, you're going to miss out. That's how Christ repeatedly speaks in the Gospels. He never wavers in what he says. He never second-guesses himself. He makes his claims with absolute certainty. And when he speaks to people, he always calls people in the most matter-of-fact way to believe in him and to follow him. And he speaks with such authority that it's clear that to ignore his call and to ignore his words 
simply foolish. Jesus Christ speaks the truth. There's no two ways about it. For us here, we need never be ashamed of his words or of all the words of Scripture. Someone in this world might speak as if the claims of the Bible were shaky or uncertain. Sometimes we might be prone to think that they have the upper hand when it comes to matters of faith, but that's not true. The skeptics' beliefs should be the ones on trial, not Christ or his words. And you need never be ashamed of what the Bible says. It doesn't matter how smart a person you're talking to or, or with, or whether it be a university professor or someone with their doctorate, it doesn't matter. The Bible is true. And the claims of Christ are certain. You may stand firm in the faith and on these words of Christ. Do not fear. Remember, you are not the one that needs to be on the defensive. The the skeptics should be. All we need to do is stand firm on the word of God, proclaim it without apology. We do well to respond with the same calm invitation Philip gave to Nathaniel. Come and see. Come and read the Bible for yourself. Come and read about the words and works of Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, this type of approach is what changed the heart of a woman named Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. Oh, I know that's quite a long name, quite the name. Who is she? Well, Rosaria Champagne-Butterfield is a former professor of women's studies at Syracuse University, where she specialized in queer theory. And she lived in an ungodly relationship and actively wrote against Christianity and Christian beliefs. And then in the late 1990s, in response to some of her writing, Reformed Presbyterian pastor Ken Smith began conversing with her in a friendly manner. Pastor Ken Smith calmly challenged some of her beliefs and pointed her to the Bible. As Reese, and as she was researching for a writing project, Rosaria began reading large chunks of Scripture. And it was through that time through that reading of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit converted her to Christ. It wasn't easy, it didn't happen quickly, but slowly and surely she finally broke. She knew it was the truth. For Rosario, it was a matter of a Christian lovingly inviting her to, to come and see. Come read these words of Christ, you cannot go away without being changed. We do well to take the same approach. Oh, the Lord changed Nathaniel's mind. He heard Jesus' words and all his doubts were, were destroyed. He had, he'd asked Christ, how do you know me? 
Jesus responded, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael was confronted with the power of God. He knew that this was no ordinary man. So he exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Philip was right. He came, he saw, he heard, and he believed. People can be changed. And this shows us that not everyone also comes to the certainty of faith in the same way. In John 3, the Lord Jesus, he compares the work of the Spirit to the wind. There he says in his discussion with Nicodemus, The wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The regenerating, changing work of the Spirit is compared to the wind. Think of the wind. Often it's not easy to pinpoint just when the wind starts to blow. Sometimes a wind just hits you suddenly with a big gust. But sometimes it begins as only the slightest of breezes that can barely be felt. So it is with the work of the Spirit. And this is the difference we see in different people coming to faith in Christ. Sometimes it's a very slow progression over time. For others, it's a sudden turnaround where the Spirit instantly converts them. Some of you may never even remember a time when you were not a believer. Your parents taught you the faith and you just believed it. For others, maybe you can pinpoint the exact day and hour when you became a Christian. Think of Philip in our text. It seems that there was hardly any resistance at all. The Spirit gave him an open heart and he simply believed in Christ and followed him. Nathaniel was different, but his deep skepticism gave way to sudden faith when he hears the words of Christ. We should keep this in mind when we point others to Christ and the Bible. For some people, it might be a long process of nurturing that fragile seed of faith until after many years, it's finally bloomed. For others, perhaps they are changed in a moment. But the Holy Spirit can change hearts. Christ's words and the Holy Spirit's power can bring anyone to faith. Sadly, many people in Israel did not come to faith as Nathaniel did. Instead, they continued scoffing at the claims of Christ. But it was the worst mistake they ever made. And let us not make that mistake as they did. Do not hold on to your skepticism. Do not hold on to your doubts. Let me say it again. The Bible is true. Christ's words are sure. He really is the Savior of the world. Put your faith in Him. And if you struggle with doubt... No, it's not always easy. Let me invite you and urge you to 
to put those doubts in a box. Put a lid on that box. And put that box away. Put your faith in Christ. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. Put your faith in Christ and you will be saved. That brings us to our last point. Now what a blessing for Nathaniel that God did bring him to faith. This was the Savior of the world standing in front of him. Now he sees clearly, now he believes firmly, but Christ does not stop there. Notice, notice what he says in response to Nathaniel. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now this, this again, it's, it's an example of the astonishing language that the Lord Jesus used. No one in the world ever spoke like Jesus did. No one. Who says this? You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here again, the Lord Jesus speaks without apology and with full authority. This is going to happen. Nathaniel, you had better not twiddle your thumbs here because you don't want to miss this. Now, we might still have questions. Why does the Lord say this? What's he talking about? Well, he's referring to a story we read from Genesis 28. Jacob was fleeing from Esau. And on his journey, one night he lay down to sleep. And while he was sleeping, Jacob dreamed a large ladder or staircase that reached up to heaven. And the angels of God, they were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord himself stood above it and he spoke to Jacob. Now in our text, Jesus says, Nathanael will see the angels ascending and descending, not, not on a ladder or a, a staircase, but on the Son of Man. Referring to himself. Why does he say this? Well, the staircase in Jacob's dream, it connected heaven and earth. It was a connection point to God. And this staircase pointed ahead to our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christ will say later to the Jews in John 5, you diligently search the scriptures because you believe that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Christ says all the scriptures, they testify about him. That includes Jacob's dream in Genesis 28. And the staircase that bridges the gap between heaven and earth. God and men. God and people. Christ is saying, I am the connection to God. I'm the one who gives you access to heaven. Come to me that you may have life, eternal life. Simply no other way. Christ is the way to God. It's interesting to know that after Jacob woke up, he exclaimed, This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob was so excited because he found God's house on earth and the gate to heaven. And these things are both true of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the true house or temple of God. 
fact, in John 2, the next chapter, he will make this very claim to the Jews. He calls his own body the temple of the Lord. Christ is also the gate of heaven. It's through Christ that we have access to God's own throne. He's the fulfillment of Scripture. Everything points to Him. Now, when did Nathaniel see this? We're not entirely sure. It could simply be that Nathaniel saw it with the eyes of faith in Jesus' death on the cross. For on the cross, Christ was suspended in between heaven and earth. And it was through that, through his death on the cross, that Christ was giving us access to heaven as our sins were paid for by his blood. Most, the important thing is that the substance of what Christ says is true. He is the way, he is the truth and the life. If we put our faith in him and his death on the cross, we will find access to God. The important question is, do you believe this? Put your faith in Christ, beloved. He himself tells us in John 20, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen.